Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. When you come into my podcast looking like you do, you do not only insult me, but you insult the integrity of this podcast. <laughs> okay. I'll accept it. It's a little bit of a stretch. <laughs> I could. I didn't know what to do. I didn't I want know. to do Italian. I've done Italian so many so times. So much. Yeah, I know. And this yeah. isn't really Italian. It's more like New York. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Or I could have been like, yo, Nadim. <laughs> yeah, that no. actually probably would have worked too. <laughs> no, I don't like it. Fine. Fine. Uh, Mita, hello. How are you? <laughs> I am living and breathing another day, another dollar. I know. Same old, same old. Same old, same old. So How are you? I've been hiding something from you. Oh, no. Well, not I don't for like too secrets. long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw the white tiger on the weekend. <gasps> Finally, <Yeah>. it <laughs> happened to Nadim. He saw the white tiger. <laughs> I watched it on Saturday night and I was like, oh, I should tell Mita. And I was like, no, I should see you for the podcast. What did you think? Tell us, tell the listeners everything you thought. So, I liked it overall. Yeah. One thing really bothers me, though, and maybe okay. you can share your opinion on this. I well, Granted, I saw this a, a while ago, so I'll try to. Well, I mean, this is like a general opinion. Okay. The White Tiger, by the way, last week, I was I, I was just editing our episode for Lupera today, and I mentioned that the White Tiger is British. It's not. It's actually American and Indian. So, that's that. it's a co-production between the two of them. Ba-ba-ba. The White Tiger takes place in largely... I think, lower class India. Like, yeah. India is probably the country with the largest spectrum of economic disparity. Mm-hmm. Like, the poorest of the poor and the richest of the world all live in India. Yeah. Oftentimes next to each other. And all these characters speak English. And, like, fluent, great English. And that really bothered me. I think oh, it's I didn't even think of so that. disingenuous when the language... character doesn't speak English well, when he's with them. As a narrator, he does. But like even, so fine, Priyanka Chopra and Rajkumar Rao, their characters are meant to be, they're from America, first of all. But they're also They went like, to school in the they US. They went to school. Yeah. It's very different for them. But even like his his father and his brother come from a certain kind of class in India, which is, yes, they have money, but they're not very educated. And they're a little mm. bit more... I don't know. I actually don't know what the English word is. The Hindi word I'm looking for is like jahil. They're like savage almost. There's a level of like, they're very misogynistic. They're very, they're they're quite uneducated. They're traditional in a lot of ways. And they would not be speaking in fluent English like that. They would be speaking in Hindi. Most Mm. of the people in this movie would be speaking in Hindi. Mm -hmm. And they're not. I don't really have qualms. (laughs) Yeah, which which is fair. But then I'm wondering why? To make it accessible to the viewers on Netflix. Can you think of another country of film that has to sell their the language of their film in English, a foreign film? Like when Roma came out, were they in English? No, they were in no. Spanish. And Roma was a Netflix-made film that was was meant to be like mass appealing. I cannot think when Pedro Almodovar makes, again, another Spanish film, fine. But I have not seen another foreign film forced to change the language of its people Mm -hmm. very disingenuously this might be a controversial statement 
do you find that the Hindi language is like aesthetically pleasing to someone's ear? Like when you think about, I Italian, always, I don't know. To be quite honest, think, I can't yeah. tell. But like, I think about I'll hear it and I, I mean, I'll understand this, it. This is a borderline conversation that could get real offensive. Yeah. But there are other languages that aren't are harsher on the ear. I could mm-hmm. say that like Hindi, I don't think is a soft language. I could I don't think Arabic is a soft language. I don't think either, you know, uh, Mandarin or Cantonese are soft languages. But we watch films and things with them all the time. You and I do, and we understand a good portion of it, and like we grew up with that. So it's it's really we're able to kind of withstand that, but I don't know. Like I think about all the times where like my, my mom was just talking to me or saying something, and my friends thought, "Is she like yell? Is she like super mad at you right now? Is she yelling at you?" <laughs> yeah, I could see that um, too. Right? Or it's like, no, she was just saying like, "What did you do at school today?" <laughs> like that was it. <laughs> and I think the other thing that kind of this dovetails into is this is directed by someone of Iranian background. Mm. So there's a lot of languages and cultures happening in this movie in itself. And so Do you the think other English thing, is the middle ground. Well, the other thing I kind of felt while watching this is this is a little bit of poverty porn. I didn't feel that way. <laughs> I don't know. There were things about this movie I liked overall. Generally speaking, I liked it. It's it's well made. It's well acted. It's very very arresting. Like you are very engrossed in it from start to finish. Yeah. But there was a lot of things that stuck out to me as just like, why is it? Why is this movie allowed to do these things? Should an Iranian man mm-hmm. be able to make a movie set in India about Indian people that really should be in the Indian language? Okay. That is about something so deeply, personal. like this is personal and ab- about the culture. Like the class divide is such a deeply Indian thing in India is an outsider allowed to tell that story? But I also think that that exists in a country like Iran. Fine, but then tell the Iranian version Indian of that. version of it. But I I mean, th- was this written by an Indian? Yeah. Yeah. The book so, is written by an Indian guy. I, well, then the, at least like the story being told. Yeah, he's the director, but he's not the one who put the pen to paper and is, is he's dictating all the other aspects of it, but he's not actually dictating what's on the screen. He did adapt the book, though, to, for the screenplay. So he wrote the screenplay. Yeah. He didn't write the book oh. that it's based on, sorry. The book is ba- written by an Indian man. But he wrote man, the screenplay. But he wrote the screenplay. I think it's fair, though. I don't think, like, when I think of something like Slumdog Millionaire, who adapted the screenplay of Slumdog Millionaire? I think Danny Boyle had a part in Slumdog. Yeah. And I just, I felt something completely different when I watched Slumdog versus when I watched The White Tiger. The White Tiger felt authentic to me. It felt more like what I've seen in India. Simon Beaufoy, white man, adapted. Slumdog Millionaire. Exactly. And so you're not going to have those cultural understandings. Someone who's Iranian would, though, because it is similar in terms of a country of what I understand. There is that disparity between the rich and the poor. I think I there's know. an understanding there. I think Would there's you... maybe more of an understanding for sure, but is it the right understanding? Who's I don't to say know. that though? But who's <laughs> to say that? But that, but so but then we th- it gets into the question of like we talked last week about Scarlett Johansson playing a Chinese mm. person, fine, but also playing a transgender person in a film. Why is one of those things unacceptable and the other thing acceptable? Like Scarlet versus this director. Yeah, Scarlet playing. Scarlet and forget, is portrayed she on pay, the screen. She shouldn't pay an Asian person. That like. Yeah, that's, that's your stance. That's my, that's my stance. I'm saying that. <laughs> yeah. But and I'm not saying that she should or shouldn't be playing a trans person. But I do. I'm just trying to say Scarlett Johansson is a cis woman. Why is it unacceptable for her to play a transgender 
character. I don't know if it was a trans man That's or trans more woman. visual when you're watching a film, though. But a director like, what kind is of your... message is that sending? But it's a director is interpreting your story, is telling a story. Is it his story to tell? This is a good question that I do not have an answer to. I was, I'm, <laughs> I'm working on a script right now yeah. that involves a gay main character. And I had this conversation with a producer friend of mine. And I said, am I allowed to tell this story? And the first thing out of his mouth, and I will, for, I will use this somewhere. He said, you don't have to have AIDS to sell Dallas Buyers Club. Hmm. And I was like, that's very true. And I, I, like, I largely believe that. And fine, Scarlett doesn't have... The reason Scarlett's not allowed to play a trans person is because she doesn't... She's not informed about being that per- person. That's the argument. Yeah. And that, the, that that position should be given to trans men and women who are in the industry. I understand that. How many Indian directors are there, Mitha, who could have directed this? There are a ton of Indian directors. So I think let's reach out to Priyanka Chopra Jonas. <laughs> and... <laughs> PCJ, what's up? Uh, PCJ. Why why an Iranian director? Tell us. And I'm not saying that he shouldn't. I think at the end of the day, what I'm saying is I actually think that like he he made it very well. I think I have a question about whether he should be able to or not and whether he was the best choice based on the subject matter. But at mm-hmm. the same time, it's a good film. It's a it's worth your time. I but, agree completely. That's why I told you to watch it. Yeah. But <laughs> at the end of the day, I question like why is A okay, but, but why isn't B? I think there is a difference between someone who is Iranian versus if, like, they had gotten, I don't know, like, Charlie McDowell to direct it or something. I think there's a big difference there. And I think you can allow somebody who is of a similar culture and who understands those things the opportunity. Because I'm sure they interviewed a lot of people for this project and he probably presented the best and more in line of what they wanted to do. I mean, maybe. I would hope. But that's not the movie we watched this week. That's not the movie we watched this week. Let's, no. Are we trying to lighten the... That was the worst segue, <laughs> Mita. <laughs> but I guess we can move on from this conversation. I mean, I guess this conver- I just want to leave on one point. I feel like this conversation okay. is never ending, though. No. Like, I don't like, think there's... Yeah, there's like literally We're not going to find the cure to racism. And- <laughs> no, or diversity or, or diversity. lack of diversity on yeah. this podcast. So there's no <laughs> point in like hounding it in. I think there's a point in my life where Slumdog Millionaire would have been way more problematic than it was when it came out. Oh, if it came out today, then yeah. people would not... Have, no, it wouldn't have the success that it had. And it no. shouldn't have had that success. But again, Mita, you, I think you have to remove yourself from like what yes. you experienced. <laughs> I don't think the movie's amazing, but I do get why people enjoy it. And I do appreciate that it was an Indian... Like, it was about Indian people. It opened people. doors. It opened it, doors. Yeah. Erhaman and Gulzar won Oscars because of it. And, like, those are incredibly and talented men. And then the soundtrack men. for Million Dollar Arm. Yeah, well, these... Th- for me, those are two very talented men who deserve that award and never would have gotten it if it wasn't for that film. That's true. So, that's all. Okay. Mita, what did we that's watch this week? Oh my gosh, Nadim. So um, this week we watched, or I chose for you, My Cousin Vinny. You did. I did. Do you want to tell us a little bit about MCV? <laughs> Let me give you the IMDb description of My Cousin Vinny. <laughs> Two New Yorkers accused of murder in rural Alabama while on their way back to college call in the help of one of their cousins, a loudmouth lawyer with no trial experience. So meets. 
Mm-hmm. Talk to me about why you picked My Cousin Vinny for me. Well, so I knew for my list that you chose for me, there were going to be a lot of serious movies. There this was going to be... Very true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I knew that I had to make sure that there was a lot of fun stuff. So we had what we like to call balance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And so I was thinking about like fun movies that you had never seen. And I think at one point I had brought up my cousin Vinny and you said mm-hmm. you never watched it. So I jotted it down. And then I really knew I wanted to put it on the list okay. after we watched Reversal of Fortune. Because I love a I love a trial movie. I, yes. And I Yeah. <laughs> and I just think that these two are such a like a juxtaposition yeah. of what a trial movie is. Real could polar be. opposites. Yeah. And so I just thought, like, wouldn't that be a fun conversation? And there's one question that I really want to ask you, but I'm gonna wait until you tell me a little bit about how you feel about my cousin Vinny before I ask you this question. Um but yeah, that's why I chose it, because okay. I wanted to have a fun time. So can you tell me your opinion? <laughs> like what how my- do you like, what? Do, how do you feel? Like, fine, that's why you picked it. But what do you actually think of Vinny? My Cousin Vinny is the perfect Sunday movie. Okay. <laughs> yes. It is something that you can have on in the background while you're cooking. Um, if you're playing a game on your phone and you just, like, need something back on there. If you want to have a good laugh for, like, dumb reasons, you just pop in My Cousin Vinny because it has comedy. It has Joe Pesci. <laughs> it has Southern accents. There's hee-haw music. It's just like... <laughs> there is hee-haw music. And around all that, there is the law, <laughs> which is always exciting. And so it, it's the perfect Sunday movie to me. It's something that you can just have on and not really like need to pay attention to, but you're still going to enjoy yourself at the end of it. You're not going to regret being like, oh, I shouldn't have watched My Cousin Vinny. Okay. Yeah. Nadim, how did you feel about My Cousin Vinny? <laughs> So I had heard about My Cousin Vinny for a lot over the years. And you know how, if you think about, like, there's a lot of movies that have released in the last 30 years or whatever, and only a handful really stick out. Mm -hmm. Like, whether you've watched them or not, like, you could tell a lot of people My Cousin Vinny, and whether they've seen it or not, they've heard of it. So part of me was like, I really, I feel like I need to see this movie because there has to be a reason it's as popular as it is. And whether it's just because of the title or because of Mercer Twinley's Oscar, which we'll get to. Or is there something else that I wanted to see it? So I was looking forward to seeing this. I thought it was a great choice because it was definitely something I've wanted to see and something I don't know if I would have seen myself. So like, like at this juncture in my life right now. Yeah. I don't know, though, Uh if it's a movie that needed to be seen closer to the time it came out in. Like, you're sorry, you're saying it needed to be seen? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if it has the same effect it does now as it did in 1993 when it came out. That Yes, that is a very good point to make. And this isn't to say I disliked it, but I will say it's a two-hour long movie and it takes an hour and a half to get good. Yes. I would say that good part makes up for a lot of that, though. And it doesn't... Feel, it doesn't feel like a two-hour movie to me. Oh, really? <laughs> it didn't. When I told you last week, like, oh, it's two hours, I was like, is it really two hours? It just, like, flies by for me. Okay. I. <laughs> <laughs> My big question I wanted to ask you, though. Yeah. Do you think Marissa Tomei deserves her Oscar? That, like, it's for the this so, movie? so here's my thing. The whole time I was watching it, I first of all, I I really disagree with you on that. The the fact like the question of whether it feels like two hours. I can't remember this movie. 
and I watched it yesterday. Oh. <laughs> and that isn't I don't to say get it. <laughs> <laughs> that isn't to say the last is actually really entertaining. It is yeah. quite and ent- it's quite fun to watch, but I don't remember anything or much of it before. But I do remember the whole time I'm watching it, I'm wondering, so this was the move, this was one of the most controversial Oscar wins of all time. Yeah. Marissa Tomei beating out, like, Vanessa Redgrave and, like, a bunch of older white women to win. Richardson. Yeah. It was a pretty stacked year that year. And so when she won, so let's, I guess, give our listeners the lowdown if they don't know this controversy. I think it was, was it Jack Palance who was the presenter? Presenter? I think so, yeah. Okay. So he was presenting. And when she was called out, he was a little, people thought he was a little out of it. And there was a big question of whether he gave the Oscar to the wrong person because Marissa Tomei was the last on the list. So people think that he essentially just said the last person that was on the list of nominees of the nominated women. But the Academy and Ernst and Young or PricewaterhouseCoopers or whoever was the accounting firm at the time said, no, we would have jumped in like they did the La La Land year (laughs) (laughs) and said, that's not correct. And they would have corrected it right then and there. And no one did. So she legitimately won that year. And the question has always been, like, did she deserve this? And can I say, I think she absolutely did. Right. I think she's actually really good in this. But she's so good in this. She's so good in this. I honestly <laughs> yeah. think she really is. You really wait for the you scenes. From the beginning. Yeah, she captivates you from the very beginning. You wait for her scenes. Yeah. She's, you want to know, is there going to be good Chinese food? <laughs> you want to know everything. That, like, honestly, I'm watching the movie waiting for more of Marissa Tomei because she sells that role so perfectly. And like, Mm -hmm. fine, she wins it for her last scene. Like, that's what she, that's why she won that Oscar. But she really, it's such a cheesy thing to say, but like, she's the heart of the film. She makes you keep watching more. I 100% agree. And I was really worried that you weren't (laughs) going to get it. And you were going to be like, it's so cheesy. She's like, what is this character? It's not to the caliber of Vanessa Redgrave. I've never seen Howard's End, so I can't really. I haven't seen Howard's End either. And I've always wanted to, but I can say that like, her performance, by the way, could have been that role is cheesy. The dialogue is cheesy. It shouldn't be as well performed as it is. She sells it. She sells it. She sells it and she makes you think. And I think what makes it more remarkable is that when you see Marissa Tomei in other things and you she's realize so versatile. she's so versatile, she doesn't sound like that. She doesn't look like that. Like she is acting. That is all acting. It seems almost too natural. That someone, if you didn't know who Marissa Tomei was, you'd think she was just some chick from Brooklyn they picked up and put in a movie. I feel like she is one of the more underrated actresses that's been around the last, like, what, 30 years now? She has, like, two, she has two, definitely two other Oscar nominations, though. She has other Oscar nominations? Yeah, she was nominated for In the Bedroom, and she was nominated for The Wrestler. Oh, right. But I feel like people don't talk about Marissa Tomei enough. No. And she and was good she also is. in Crazy Stupid Love. And she's really good in that. She yeah, plays she... like this like crazy teacher ditz lady. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love her so much. But she she's really versatile. She's always been a good actress. And I've always liked her in whatever she's appeared in. So this wasn't necessarily a surprise for me. Like I was really, I, I, I legitimately really enjoyed her in this. The rest of the movie though, I don't know. Okay, so like what didn't you like? The setup in and of itself bothered me. I'll say that. Okay. So I th- so here's the problem I had with this movie. So I think my big thing was the moment the movie starts and you know where it's going, you know exactly how it's going to end. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no surprise. 
Yeah. There's no there's no mystery when he's like, oh, my cousin Vinny. And you're like, okay, first of all, you, you could stop the movie right there and be like, okay, this guy's going to be. He's going to show up. He's going to be a up, fish out of fish, water. Fish out of water. <laughs> yeah. And he's not going to know what to do. He's not going to fit in. They're going to doubt him. And then eventually he's going to win the case. And it plays out exactly as you expect. The only sense of mystery is how he's going to do it. And you even know he's going to get into the courtroom and surprise everybody, but you don't know how he's going to surprise people. So that can be difficult because at the end of the day, like, how are you meant to keep an audience interested for that long? Mm -hmm. And the whole time I found I was watching it, I was like, can we get to the court? Because I want to see what's... I I know what's going to be interesting. I know the court scenes are going to be fun, that they're going to be exciting, that, like, how he... How he ends up saving them is it's fun to watch. I will also say, though, it's very legally blonde. Right? It's that whole, like, perm yeah. situation yeah. going on. I mean, legally blonde stole that from my cousin. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the yeah. ammonia thyglocalate. That's totally, yeah. It's totally So you took a shower. The... Yeah, so you took a shower. <laughs> After your perm. But that's exactly what it is. And that's where legally blonde gets it. But can I just say that's legally blonde's best scene is when Elle Woods, yeah. who, you've un- who you knew was going to do it, at some point, you just didn't know how she was going to do it. But Legally Blonde has something that my cousin Vinny didn't. And it's it's Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon and it's <laughs> Elle Woods. Elle Woods yeah. is a much more charming character. And she is working against bigger odds than Vinny is working against. That's fair. And I almost, when I was watching it this time and being a little bit more critical, mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, what if they hadn't shown us that they hadn't done it? Like, what if it yes. was kind of up in the air of, like, did they kill this guy at yeah. the Sack and Suds? Is that what it's called? Sack and Suds. Sack and Suds. And I think that would have been a more interesting storyline. Because you're right. The stakes of them, like, they even try to emphasize the fact that they could be going on death row. Yeah, and you're and like, that, no. Like, their lives are in the balance. You don't feel at any point that their no. lives are in the balance. It's a little hee-haw <laughs> the whole time around. But it's still just, like, I have this huge smile when I think about it and I think about the judge and the prosecutor and I love the actor that plays the prosecutor yeah. in it he like the way he plays with Vinny and tries to make him feel like he did something important so this is something that I wanted to know because this is how I felt and this is something I wanted to bring up is fine I'm watching this 20 years later after the fact almost 30 okay I'm watching this 20, 29 yeah. years later oh wow Okay, yeah. I'm watching this really <laughs> late in the game then. Yeah. Do you think that as time goes on, unless a movie is like a classic classic, it's just going to lose some of its muster? Like, do you think people who watch, let's say, Mrs. Doubtfire 10 years from now, are they going to like it the way we did when we watched it? Probably not. And I think when I was watching this, I think that's what happened with Moonstruck. I think okay. when we like when Moonstruck came out, it was probably really like, oh, we've never seen a romantic comedy like this before. We've never seen a weirdo character like Nicolas Cage before. Yeah. And now because we watched it recently, if you would like to listen, it was in <laughs> season one of our podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> now, looking back, when you watch those scenes, you're like Nicolas Cage is playing the, the trope that is in so many romantic comedies in present day. That's a great so I, example, Mita. <laughs> Thank you. I did my homework. It's really good, actually. Yeah. It just doesn't age well. And I think there's just that nostalgia for so many people who speak highly of Moonstruck and who speak highly of my cousin Vinny. They have that 
feeling uh, granted i only saw this in the last like five years for the first time oh really i really appreciated the 90s of it though okay and i i can put myself in that time and kind of think like okay like this is this is probably different than what people had ever seen before one it's like joe pesci in this really funny role yeah and like coming off home alone Alone. no this is after home alone was it yeah this is 92 home alone was 92 as well no 91 91 let me look it up 1990 oh wow yeah but in home alone he's still like a super tough guy who just has a lot of yeah he's the villain accidents happen to him right yeah he's trying to kill a kid yeah (laughs) (laughs) he's trying to kill kevin McAllister. yeah and so i think so many people are used to him being this gangster yeah or this killer and here he is it's just like and the, the thing i really love about this movie is the characters aren't stupid they're not going for stupid laughs. It's just that he is not experienced as a lawyer. And so like, yeah, he's never had a trial before. And he didn't pass the bar for six times mm-hmm. and had to take it six times a charm. But <laughs> once he like puts effort into it, and he's like actually learning how to do this, he is a pretty decent lawyer, he was able to get them off. <laughs> Or even like the Southern characters, like the prosecutor or the people, they're not stupid people. They're not like... No, they're not. And I, I do appreciate that they're not trying to dub down the South and be like, the yeah. South is full of a bunch of yeehaws. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's not it. The South is just a different culture. And I think that there's sophistication in that. I, and I will agree that they're not playing... To, they're definitely not playing to the lowest common denominator. Yeah. This isn't This isn't a slapstick. It's not Ernest goes to, like, camp or yeah, something. Yeah, it's not yeah. even kindergarten cop. Like, it definitely is not. There's a level of... I love kindergarten cop. <laughs> <laughs> I do, too. Don't get me wrong. But I, re- I, I remember, actually, we saw... We went to see Home Alone, so it was my... It was, like, 20 of us. My parents, their friends, and all the kids in our community. 20 to 25 of us. In 1990? Yeah. So we oh. drove to the theater... And at the time, which felt like an hour away, but when uh, now geographically nowhere it went, it was 10 minutes. And <laughs> <laughs> it's not long at all. What theater was it? It was Westgate, when Westgate okay. was a theater. Got um, you. Oh, wow. Westgate had a theater? <laughs> yeah. What does Westgate have now? <laughs> Nothing. It does not have a Nothing. theater. So anyways, we went to see it and Home Alone was sold out. So what all the adults did was they bought tickets for Home Alone. I think we went the next day even. But since yeah. all the kids were there, we went and saw Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> and it was so entertaining. I love Kindergarten Cop. That's a good time. We should watch that. <laughs> putting it on the list. <laughs> but all this to say that like, Sorry, yes. my cousin Vinny doesn't like, it's not trying to be slapstick. It's not trying to be like that. There is a level of sophistication. It's trying to be a clever film. Mm-hmm. And to some degree, it definitely, I, I think, does to succeed i think another question i just have and i hate saying this because i know it makes me sound pretentious but like has the audience just evolved from their expectation of like what a comedy should be and does this maybe just not meet it is comedy is comedy timely comedy is such a hard genre to nail though like anytime like in this last year when i've been trying to watch as many movies as possible and i've told you i'm in the mood for a comedy you never have any suggestions for me because it's such a hard genre to nail and like i think 
we expect something. I think comedy really nails it in TV because you can have oh that long God. form. I was literally thinking the same thing. <laughs> I think comedy is better in TV. It's better in TV because you have long form storytelling there. Yes. So you have the opportunity to really build on characters and still present those comedic aspects yeah. and still have heart and still have like all these other things. But in such a finite amount of time, it's really hard to present that. And it's like, what jokes do you put in and what jokes do you put out? And I recently watched Bob Bar- Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. How was that, by the way? <laughs> it is so stupid. But like, <laughs> if you want to have a laugh, there's some there's some really ridiculous things in there. And then there's some things I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, you're all better than this. <laughs> you're all better yeah. than this, and you shouldn't be presenting that. But then there's parts of it where you're like, okay, yeah, like I'll watch Kristen Wiig do weird faces. <laughs> It's a good, it, it, I would say watch it. I think you might enjoy it. Yeah. Um, well, because it's written by Christian Wick and Annie Momolo, right? Annie Momolo, right? Yeah. yeah. And they're very good together and they star in it. Okay. I they're Barb and Star. They're and they go star. to Vista Del Mar. And I heard Jamie Dornan's in it. And it's actually yeah, very and funny. Yeah. He's actually like, he plays the straight, straight guy for, okay. uh, for all the comedy to bounce off of. Okay. But then some of the comedy is just like, okay, slow your roll. Like, this is dumb. I think for me, when I think of comedy, my go-to is always Bridesmaids. I think it's the last, it's the movie in the last 20 years, I'd say that mm-hmm. I I can watch, I will go down and watch it right now and still find it like hilarious. I think it's very well written. It uses sight comedy very well. Its dialogue is very clever. It improvises very well. Like it, it, it mixes everything good about comedy into one movie and it works. Yeah. All of it works. And she's telling you a story she it's a situation like being in your friend's wedding but she's telling you somebody's whole story she's really building on that character that character is not one-dimensional she has like waves and emotions to her and like that is so hard to do in a movie and they do it really well in bridesmaids yeah really well yeah and like as i say this my two favorite tv shows forget comedies are 30 rock and seinfeld seinfeld as a movie would be annoying oh my god I, I don't think <laughs> I don't think I don't think you can sit there and watch a Seinfeld. Seinfeld works because it is short form because it takes situations and it bleeds them dry for what that situation can be. Like it takes advantage of every situation, but you can't extend those situations into like an hour and a half type of form. And like imagine the first time you meet George, you're not going to like George. You're oh, going to think like all. who is yes. this like little who is this guy? Yes. But then like you have 10 seasons of George, 9, 9 seasons. 9 of seasons George. of George and Elaine and you and love Kate. him. Yes, you love <laughs> yes. and you have their history to build on. Yeah. So I do feel that comedies and movies are hard to do and that's why anytime someone recommends or they're like do you have any comedy recommendations? I honestly shy away from it cuz I'm like honestly what I find funny you might not find funny. That's fair. And that's, I think drama is easier to recommend because drama is drama for everybody. Funny is not funny for everybody. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people Would you recommend My Cousin Vinny to someone? I would. I keep recommending it to Millie (laughs) Sampath. She likes her shout outs in the podcast. (laughs) I don't know, Mitha. I honestly don't. I don't know know if I would. I wouldn't say no. Yeah. I will say that. I wouldn't say, oh, don't watch that. Would you tell your wife? Would you say like, it's Sunday. You're not doing anything. Sure. Let's just put this on. No. I don't know. Well, there you go. You don't know. I didn't dislike it is what I think I'll say. I think it's one of those movies that I'm thinking like if it's on if it's on cable, my favorite thing to do is watch a movie on TV that I've already seen before. Yeah. Like 
If you're just sitting around on a Thursday night and Aaron Brockovich is around, I will go to oh sleep. I am watching all of Aaron Brockovich, <laughs> Aaron Brockovich. With, with the commercial breaks, even though I can go downstairs, get my Blu-ray and just watch it without the commercial breaks. But no, it is better with the commercials. Oh, okay. Well, I no. If I see something's on TV and it's in, if it's on there, then I'll just go find it on a streaming platform and watch it. No, I like watching. I don't know like what it is. Breaks. I like the watching it on TV. I enjoy that. Do you that. feel like some of these movies from like the late '80s and the nine early '90s are meant for TV? Like it's almost like this was made so that someone can watch it off of TV. Like, yeah, yeah. And I see you what you're like saying. They thought about that when they were making movies of like, this is where we'll put a commercial break once it's on cable. Because So in raising financing, that does become a part of your, like, a, a lot of it does, especially in the past, it used to hinge on post theatrical sales. Mm-hmm. So you would sell like how much you would pre-sell your movie to like pay-per-view or whatever, and they'd give you a summation. So you would have to consider how is this uh, going to... How how are we going to edit this How down? are we going to edit this down to be, you know... Like, why did they take away the scene of Mrs. Doubtfire when her boobs catch on fire? They take that out in the TV version. Do they? And it's, like, the best part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize they take that out. I haven't seen Mrs. Doubtfire in so long. <gasps> Watch it on Father's Day. <laughs> That's a good choice for Father's yeah. Day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't... It's tough because... <laughs> as... <laughs> As I'm thinking right now, I'm thinking I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say actively don't watch this. It's not worth your time. But I wouldn't. I don't think it would. I don't think at this point in time it would be my, oh, you should watch this. Okay, yeah, that's fair. I can give you that. I'll let you have that. I'm just, I have been recommending it to people because we've had to watch it for this podcast. Oh. And so that's, it's just been on my mind recently. And so I was like, you should watch My Cousin Vinny. I think you would like it. Yeah. Yeah. So did you, when you watched it this time versus the first time, did you like it as much? So I watched it uh, about a week ago in preparation for this. And then I watched it again this morning because I was like, oh, maybe I should have some scenes like fresh in my mind. Yeah. And when I watched it a couple weeks ago, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just like, I'm glad I picked this. Like, yeah. I want Nadim to have a fun time because Luthera was really serious. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm worried about what next week is going to be. Because we want to have a nutritionally balanced roster for you all. I think I think I've made it nutritionally balanced. I think I've picked... oh great. And then, <laughs> when I watched it this morning, though, there watching it this morning, I was just like, "Is this really necessary?" There's so much in here that's like really cheesy and like dumb. But then it's those last like thirty minutes that I'm just like, "Yes, this is like such a good courtroom." <laughs> movie which a lot of lawyers have said that this is a very Very accurate yeah of what the legal process looks like when you're working in a trial scenario and i just want to put that out there i will say that aside from the scenario itself like the scenario itself i was kind of like so this could all be solved if we had a clear conversation like it just kind of but you know look how many false confessions there are which are this is a comedy so they're not going to make it super dark in that like if it was a black man who was like near yeah, the exactly. well, right, yeah, yeah, I mean, he probably would have been shot. At, right, so exactly, Vinny yeah, wouldn't have been able to help them. No, but that scenario does happen quite often, where like people say, like, "Oh, I saw those guys leave the gas station, and they're the ones that are now um, on trial for the murder." But you know, it's the such thing a is, serious subject matter. I, it's such a serious subject matter. That's, that's why I kept running through my mind this morning. I'm like, this is really serious, but it's funny. It's but you know why it's funny, Mita? It's because at the end, you know they're not actually getting caught. 
Yes, you. And you, I, but you I also go. think that's that's smart on the movie. Like, yeah. why would you want to put someone through that kind of emotional roller coaster of mm-hmm. like, what if these kids do die? Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> Vinny can't get them out. Because Vinny can't get them yeah. out. There's a world where my cousin Vinny is a very serious movie <laughs> about his failure to free these two innocent boys who go on death row, and then he becomes an alcoholic. Oh my gosh, I'd watch that too. Yeah, that actually sounds like an interesting movie. I'm not gonna lie. But, Write it. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I didn't, again, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Yeah. Do you want to hear my sequel I do. prequel ideas? I do, yes. I would love, so there was supposed to be a sequel to yes, this. Yes, I heard. Um, But Marissa Tomei couldn't do it, so. Couldn't or wouldn't? But I think couldn't. Okay. Couldn't commit. But I would love as a sequel to just focus on the Marissa Tomei character of Mona Lisa. Mm-hmm. And I actually think, I think after all this, she decides to go to law school and she decides to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see her big, her first big case. And then at this point, I, I think she should break up with Vinny because I don't think they're a good couple. <laughs> actually, I really did like them, actually. Did you like their love? Yeah, I like their... I liked our romance. I thought it was nice. I did find there was a couple of scenes where I'm just like, there was one scene in particular where the tap in the hotel room is leaking. And yeah. we go in this weird five minute, like, it's just a scene that has it's no connection to anything at the, all. The scene right before it, Ralph Macchio's character says, you don't know how we are, how, um, what's their last name in this? Gam- Gambini. G- Gambini. You don't know how us Gambinis argue. And then they show him arguing with her. But she wins the argument in the end. Yeah, because she's Marissa Tomei and she's a star of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't, though. She was a nobody at the time. I know. And I'm just so happy that she has this. No, this seriously. Good for her. her. It's it's a great performance and it totally deserves that Oscar versus all those old British women. So that said, <laughs> I, I think she deserves this. Full stop, period. No argument. Yeah. That said, do you think she won because she was the only, and I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to use this word, and I won't. I won't use the word, but you can extrapolate what I'm going to say. The only one you wanted to sleep with on the list of people. Let me see who else is uh, nominated and what other movies there were in 1993. Yeah. Susan Sarandon and Michelle Pfeiffer were nominated for Best Actress. Yeah, not supporting. Not supporting. I mean, I don't know if that... I, I don't know what 1992 Academy looked like, but probably, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> it might be a part of it. Yeah, that could totally be what's going on there. But at the end of the day, I think when people saw this, she is definitely the most entertaining part of this movie. Of course, yes. She's the scene, scene she, stealer. She steals the end. She's, she's the climax. The whole movie, she's like, what can I do? Can I help? Can I help? And then in the end, she wins the case. Her expertise. Where's the Chinese food? I love it. <laughs> you were Mona Lisa Vito. So then, based on this love that you have for this, please tell me your rating. So, okay. <laughs> I love this movie in that it entertains me. Mm-hmm. And I think there is room for that in the lexicon of film. Is this, like, a really, really good <laughs> movie? Maybe not. But what you take away from it is a huge smile. Mm-hmm. It is good law, and lawyers say this, not just me. I don't know anything about the law. <laughs> but as there are like 30-minute YouTube videos you can watch where they go over like all the trial trial, trial? <laughs> trial process in the voir dire. Voir dire. How did he say the it? Voir dire. The voir dire. You can voir dire her if you want. I should have put that in the quotes. <laughs> 
Two youths. <laughs> Two youths. Two You're... youths. <laughs> like, look at me. I love I know. This. You really like this. <laughs> I love my cousin Vinny. It makes me feel good. And, like, that's what I want right yeah. now. So I I think if I... I'm going to give it three and a half stars because I know it's not, like, a critically acclaimed film. And I know it's not, like, of the caliber of some of the things that we have watched. But it's just, like, a good, good old 90s fun time with Marissa Tomei and her New Yorker accent. And that's all you need sometimes. That's, that's it. That's how I feel. That's it. No, and that's... I mean, you clearly... You're, you're clearly enamored by this film. Yes! It clearly, it clearly makes you happy. And sometimes, honestly, for me, a movie either has to be immaculately made or has to elicit an emotional response from you of some sort. Mm-hmm. And that can either be elation or it could be sadness or it could be anger. It has to make you feel something. I don't personally feel like this did either for me. I think it's it's fine. And I can see why it was popular in the 90s. I could even see why it's still popular in this day and age. Yeah. I can say that. I don't think this is... I don't think it's forgettable. I, and But I will say that it's not forgettable only because the ending is so good. I will say that the first hour and a half, honestly, to me, was like two stars because I was like, I don't know what we're kind of getting to. I thought it was super long. I thought some of the jokes kind of went on longer than they should. Mm -hmm. That actually might be a result of living in this day and age where things, we just expect things to, you know, snap and move quicker. We watch TikTok all day, yeah. We watch TikTok all day and the jokes, you know, they have a thing where if you're writing a comedy, they say there should be a joke on every page, which means there should be a joke every minute, which is a lot. Yeah. And like, how can you have quality if that's what you're building towards? Mm -hmm. And this doesn't do that. But at the same time, sometimes I was just like, can we just get to the the punchline and then move on? And then can we just get to the trial? And what this does, what, sorry, what, what's the movie? What the, (laughs) the Glenn Close and John Malkovich one. Reversal of Fortune. Reversal of Fortune does is it puts the court case front and center of the movie. We watch it the entire time. Because what is a courtroom drama without the courtroom? Fair. I will say my cousin Vinny, though, is called my cousin Vinny. It's about Vinny. <laughs> you need to know who Vinny and Mona Lisa are. But it's about Vinny winning the trial. Yeah. Less so, time on Vinny, less more time, time on, on trial. Yeah, more yeah. time on trial. Or more time Vinny on trial. Yeah. Oh, Vinny. So anyways, all this to say, I enjoyed it. I wouldn't necessarily... Shout this from the rooftops. This isn't my this isn't Lutera for me, but <laughs> it's not my Lutera either. <laughs> it isn't. But I will say that you know I enjoyed it while I watched it. And if someone's like, "What do you think of this movie?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's I think it's entertaining." If you're looking for an easy film to watch, so for that I will give it two and a half. Two and a okay. So a total of six out of ten. That's not bad. I'll go with that. I'll allow that. You're okay with that? I'm okay with that. I feel like I that... know it's not like. Superb, <laughs> but it's just a fun time, and I'm glad you watched it. It's really I'm hard. Glad you got to laugh. This is this is a very difficult part of this podcast because we're recommending movies to each other that we have a feeling about, and yeah. like if you're recommending a movie to me that you really like, and I'm just gonna, I don't want to shit all over it because it's kind of mean. Like I know that movie matters to you, and I know we said we wouldn't be precious about our opinions either, though, because that's yeah. the whole point of this. 
Yes, and I was going to say, we're being authentic with one another. Yeah. And so if you did feel like this was a piece of shit, know that you have the option to say that yeah, this was a absolutely. piece of shit. But it's not because it has Marissa Tomei in it. <laughs> in her Oscar-deserving performance. And the line where she says, it's called disclosure, you dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> so good. It's funny. She has great delivery, too. So good. Yeah. Good timing. Oh, speaking of... I can't believe I didn't bring it up. But Seinfeld also has a whole homage to Marissa Tomei. Why don't I remember this? There's like a two-part episode while George is engaged to Susan, where he, um, where one of Susan's (laughs) friends, or one of, sorry, (laughs) Elaine's friends, knows Marissa Tomei. Tomei. And Marissa Tomei is allegedly into bald, funny men. I love Marissa Tomei. It's it's a very funny, and there's like... Let's get her another Oscar. Let's, I mean, she should. She's great in In the Bedroom and in The Wrestler. You know what? She's also really great as Aunt May in the Marvel movies. I mean, she's a she should healer. not be paying Aunt May because she's not like seventy. No, but that's what that's what's cool about the new Spider Man oh, is she's that not they meant to be seventy. No, and they don't do the in the new ones. They don't do the whole like Peter Parker got bit by a radioactive spider and now oh, yeah. he's Spider Man. Like they don't show all that, and she's like a young hip Aunt May who okay. like Tony wants to. Because she's Which is Marissa interesting because she dated Robert Downey Jr. Yes. In the in the nineties. In the nineties. When yeah. Marissa Tomei was hot. Yep. Well, uh, she's still hot. She yes, she that? absolutely yeah. still is. Yeah. That's very true. But yeah. That was my cousin Vinny. Good choice, Mita. Thank you. I, I, I think uh, it was a good choice. Hooray. I'm glad we did it. Yeah. Okay. Now Mita. Yeah. It's your turn. Oh, do I sing it? No. Oh, what are we playing now? Different characters sing world. <laughs> what did you thought was happening? I don't know. You weren't singing it. <laughs> oh, I didn't know what was happening. Should we start over? I think we should say it one more time. I'm keeping all of this in, but we should say it one more time. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, Mitha, what are we going to play now? Different characters sing world. We'll it'll get there. It'll get better eventually. We still okay. have like... 45 episodes, 44 episodes. The rest episodes. of our lives. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> We're married okay, to this podcast. That's true. Okay, Mitha. So you're... Yes. This is easy. If you don't get this, I'll be really disappointed. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you put pressure on me? Okay. I'm just saying. For, a, for like two real big reasons. So two of the characters are actors and one of them is the director. Okay. Okay. So your yes. characters are, the first one is difficult because I only have a first name, Arthur. Okay. John McClane. Okay. And Ransom Drysdale. And your okay. timer starts now. It's Looper. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when is Joseph Gordon-Levitt Arthur? In Inception. Oh, Okay. Yeah. You could have done his character from 10 Things I Hate About You. I oh, I was, I was going to do Third Rock from the Sun, but I was like, I actually don't oh. know. But I knew you'd get John McClane and... And right, and uh, Ransom Drysdale. Yeah. So yeah. just so everybody knows, Arthur is uh, Jordan Joseph Levitt, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, sorry, in Inception. John McClane is Bruce Willis in Die Hard. And Ransom yeah. Drysdale is Chris Evans in Knives Out. Why didn't you use an Emily Blunt character? We'll talk we'll talk about this next week. But Emily Blunt is actually meant to be a big surprise in the movie. I know she's in it. I know, but I didn't know that. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> well, we'll see how Looper goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, well, I mean, we'll talk about that next week because we'll talk about time. We're watching and how, Looper. I'm we're excited. Watching I Looper. actually, I really want to watch this. And I 
I wanted to watch it for a while, but then you told me like a couple months ago that I'm not allowed to watch it. <laughs> for the record, there's a lot of movies on Mita and both of our lists that we would have seen by now. But yeah. there, a bunch of our texts are just, hey, have you seen? And the person will say yes or no. And the other person will just respond, interesting. And that's it. And then you know you're not allowed to watch you're it. You're not allowed to watch it. Yeah, exactly. Until yeah. someone gives you permission to. Exactly. I, okay, for well, instance, know that Mitha is going to make me watch Octavia Spencer in Ma. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when, but I was told explicitly I'm not allowed to watch it. Yeah, you're not. And I'm not. I haven't seen it. Because also, I, I'll i just, like, tell the listeners this now. I have a reputation of making people watch Ma, so now <laughs> it's your turn. Okay, fair. Yeah. But I, I, I will only watch it when it's time to watch it. There we go. Of course. But yes, so, but we are watching Looper next week, which I'm, I'm looking forward to. I'm really to. excited about it. Good, I'm glad. I like I'm... this. This is a good pick. It doesn't seem like it's too serious either, so. No, which is, I was going for something, like, mass appealing. But yes. fun. But then my next movie doesn't have to be mass appealing. There we go. Well-balanced so, diet. <laughs> Well-balanced diet. That's what I'm going for. Hooray. But until then, until we get to The Loops and John McClane and mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Johnson. Mita, do you have uh, parting words? How's your Chinese food? It's not bad. It was a pretty decent. I need to like to practice that. I have to go, cup of coffee, cup of coffee, coffee, coffee. <laughs> like I have to keep saying coffee. <laughs> How's your Chinese food? okay so how did you you haven't been saying cup of coffee for in my mind i've been saying coffee 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 that's how you start it kw coffee coffee it's called disclosure you dickhead i love it so much all right guys we're gonna sign off before mitha just starts reciting this entire movie two youths thank you so much for listening friends please like subscribe share and rate and review (laughs) And we'll see you next week for Looper. Have a lovely week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by No One. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the Number Two Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon.